Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back with me today, Dan Galinsky, and we also are welcoming Mark Schindler onto the podcast. He is a writer and podcaster for Indie Cornrows. He also has his own writing, as just a blog, Premium Hoops. What's up, Justin? How are you doing, man? Yeah. Uh, you write for Premium Hoops as well. Is that your own personal blog? or, or like Yeah, yeah. So blog? I started up uh, probably 10 or 11 months ago now, and uh, I, I brought a couple other guys on. We run a we run a podcast and website together, and we're just trying to keep getting that off the ground and, and get going. I actually just submitted it today to have it run on Google News so that any of our articles and stuff will pop up there. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going well so far. And I mean, dude, just writing about the NBA and talking about the NBA is uh, pretty enjoyable, so I can't complain. How are things on your end, man? Uh, things are going well. I can't. I can't disagree with that statement. Anything NBA, we're more so Cavs over here, but all NBA, I'm. <laughs> I'm always for. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, the, we'll start with. We kind of me and Dan touched on the end of last episode with the whole Delonte West situation with him being spotted panhandling in Dallas. Um, updates from then. Mark Cuban actually picked up Delonte West from a gas station. They connected somehow and met up, and he got reunited with his mother. And Delonte West is actually in a rehab facility in Florida now. So hopefully all goes well there. But again, it just it didn't look like it was going to be a good situation. So big shout out to Mark Cuban for doing what he did. That's that's really really huge on his part. So uh, we'll start with just a quick wrap up of the bubble as well. Uh, the bubble practices just ended today. Uh, we know that Kevin Love left a little bit earlier than the finish. He, I think, left on Saturday, which was expected. But, um, Dan, overall, just any final thoughts from the end of this bubble here? Um, it's just good that, I guess, Kate Love was in there for a bit. Um, just from a team chemistry standpoint, uh, leadership, that sort of thing. So... Um, I, I guess just the key takeaway to me was that Dylan Windler was able to get in there, um, get his shots up. Um, seems pretty healthy. He said he was at 90 plus percent. Um, so that was what kind of stuck out to me. And it was good to hear that um, Darius Garland was um, seemingly his, I guess, old self before last year. So um, he, he clearly was not. It seemed hampered last year, which it seemed like his um, was a key part of his, I guess, lack of aggression offensively. So um, just just the young guys getting more reps was was good to hear. 
I completely agree. I think, again, Darius Garland, a lot of positive news coming from the camp about him and just him looking a lot better as far as, you know, his, his body, um, his play. He was looking a lot shiftier. So really, really a lot of a lot of good news to come out of this. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that it's ending. It seems like it only just started. But overall, a good thing. We'll get into the main portion of today's episode. We're going to go over the market value of each player on this team. Basically, if they were to become a free agent right now, say the Cavaliers waived him, which for most of these guys they wouldn't do, but if they did, how much would these guys be worth on the open market? So what I did was just kind of put them in alphabetical order. So we'll start with Jordan Bell. If Jordan Bell were to be waived by the Cavs, which is a very real possibility, do you see any team giving him more than a non-guaranteed minimum? Mark, we'll start with you. Um... I mean, I suppose if somebody was really desperate, they could he could be gotten for a, a guaranteed minimum, you know, of that minimum. But at the same time, uh, I personally doubt it. I think the one team that actually would have maybe kept him was when he went to the Rockets last year um, after he was acquired from Memphis, and they let him go pretty quick. I I mean, I guess that wasn't super surprising, but at the same time, they had Tyson Chandler was the only center on the roster. And this is not defensive player of the year Tyson Chandler from 2012. Um, this is, you know, like 35, 36 year old Tyson Chandler. So I think that was kind of telling of, of what the league thinks of his value right now. Um, and not too long ago, do you guys remember? I think the height of him as a player was when, uh, he got scolded by the rest of Golden State because they were up like 35 and he did a 360 windmill on a breakaway with like 10 seconds left. And that was his rookie year. And that's like pretty much the last thing I remember about Jordan Bell before this year. Yeah, I mean, we saw him a lot in the finals as the Cavs. That was their starting center to go up against Kevin Love, especially in that last year when Love was starting at center. So somebody that the Cavs are obviously familiar with. Dan, do you see any? Would you see any team giving him a guaranteed contract if it wasn't the Cavs? No, I. I mean, Mark pretty much touched on it with him. Um, just the lack of shot with him is is very telling um and for an undersized five uh i mean he's he's got good team defensive feel um solid rotator he can switch out a little bit but um for him it's honestly i thought coming out of oregon he actually would have been a steal for golden state i thought frankly for them that he was actually a decent player um, playing like 12, 13 minutes a game. But um, it's an energy bag for the Cavs. Might be a decent player to have um, for some spot minutes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, looking around the league, I, I he clearly is is kind of a it, kind of a throwback and, and not really in a good sense. So, um, and really not much of a post game. Um, good, pretty good passer, but he turns the ball over a lot, tries to do too much. So, um, you, you can find guys to get rebounds and and I guess screen off the ball or wherever. So I wouldn't I would I'm kind of with you guys both on that. All right, well we'll move on. Moving down the list, another one who's kind of in the same boat as far as the value of a player, Matthew Delvadova. I would say he has a little bit higher value than Jordan Bell, but Mark, we'll go back to you. Do you see Matthew Delvadova getting more than a minimum contract? from any team do you see a team offering to him if it weren't the Cavs um I personally wouldn't he's shot below league average from three um since 2018 he's not nearly as good of a defender as he used to be um he's not exactly somebody who I trust to facilitate on offense 
Maybe if he's like my third point guard or fourth point guard, um, I would think about it, which, you know, you're not really going to have a fourth point guard in most cases. But um, I, I just think he ever since he signed with Milwaukee, at least for me, he's never been kind of the same player that he had with, the, you know, the same energy and ability he had in Cleveland. Um, and I think maybe part of that is he's never he hasn't played with as good of players. Obviously, Milwaukee had Giannis, but it's different going from playing on a title contending team with LeBron and having hardly any pressure on you to to coming in and i remember he was he was part of that class that got just the massive deals i, I can't remember his exact deal but it was like way more than he will get now uh, he if he had the same over season. nine million a year yeah it was it was nuts and he was there to, to be their backup point guard um so yeah i i don't i personally don't think that he would get a, a contract but that's just me dan i know we've talked about matthew delvadova some i know that we're both open to the idea of him returning to Cleveland just as kind of a familiar face in the organization, somebody that's respected in the locker room. Do you see, would you see any other team in the league pot potentially offering him a contract? Uh, it, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I think for him, it's, it's more so teams that are kind of just wanting that kind of that type, um, kind of mentor type guard and um, as Mark hit on the, that shot for him is just I don't know what the hell happened to it frankly I, I mean he changed his shooting motion last year and I understand he wasn't exactly a sp floor spacer before but I mean the year prior I think he was like about 34% from deep 2018-19 um, it wasn't like absolutely abysmal but and then last year was I mean that, that shot fell off a cliff so um, just Based on that, probably not, but um, it is a mentor type for the Cavs. Uh, it, it's a decent guy to have, but um, looking around the league, it's it's just hard to say other teams. I mean, here he fits in well from a culture standpoint, and I think for a guy like Colin Sexton, it's a nice guy to have in his ear, um, just kind of in the film room, um, kind of being able to from a playmaking standpoint, kind of develop that more for him and Darius Garland. I think it's kind of a unique fit in that way. But other teams around the league, I just – I don't see – or they're really going to have that take for him. And it's just hard to justify minutes for a guy. And honestly, the injuries have kind of piled up for him as well. Um, and concussions are have been an issue as well the last few years. So – uh, I, I just outside of the Cavs, I, I, I like Dilly. I'm still a fan. He's a really efficient playmaker still. Honestly, I think he, he wants the, the intuition is there um, on ball. But again, he, he kind of has to be um, pigeonholed into that one role. Not really a guy that's going to be able to play the two for you just because of the lack of shot. So I, I'd say probably not. All right. Well, we'll get into one that's a little bit more interesting here. Moving down the list, we get to Andre Drummond, who is set to make $28.7 million on his player option, assuming that he picks up that player option. I, we, again, another one that me and Dan have talked about a little bit in the past. Say the Cavs were looking to even extend Andre Drummond. I would be comfortable, and I don't think you would accept an offer like this, because I think that he thinks that he's worth more than he actually is. At this point, I see Andre Drummond as a... 15 to 16 million dollar per year kind of value as a player. Again, I think that he'll get more wherever he goes just because he thinks he's worth more. And I think that there will be a team that offers him at least a little bit more than that. But Mark, what do you think 
Andre Drummond's say he were to opt out of his player option, what what would he get on the market? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I actually was just talking about this with someone the other day because we were talking about, you know, if Andre Drummond is on the Celtics, how does that change things for them? Um, because I think Andre Drummond, he's been kind of a beleaguered guy for his, his play style and, um, sometimes inattentiveness on defense and, um, just, I think he commands the ball a lot more than, than you would expect for somebody of his skill set. Uh, you know, I, it's crazy to look at and think that he's still only, he like just turned 26. I mean, just turned 27. Uh, you'd think he's 30 considering how long he's been in the league. This was his, this was his seventh season in the league already. Um, I, I think he's better than he gets credit for, but I agree. I don't think, like personally, I could see a team giving him, you know, an 18 million. That's the farthest I could see. Um, but I would not be comfortable even paying him 15 million, depending on the team. I mean, like, I think personally though, I mean, not to, to talk him off the calves, but I think, He's a guy who makes a ton of sense for the Celtics. If if they can get him to work into a role that he uh, he would actually be comfortable in, or that he would actually be willing to take, which that's a whole other thing. Um, but I think he's just kind of got to be at the point in his career now where he realizes, okay, I'm not I'm not the big big money guy that I was three or four years ago. I have to buy in and, and rebuild my brand a little bit. He's kind of in that uh, that Dwight Howard part of his career, like a, a surplus Dwight Howard, I should say. Um, I mean, he just needs to really figure out, okay, uh, I need to buy into a smaller role and recognize that I'm, I'm not the same player that I was or I can't play the same way I used to. I mean, I still think he's obviously athletic and everything. And he's got some really darn good skills for someone his size. But um, it, I, it, just the way that he plays is not conducive to the way. And he's got to figure out what, what kind of player he wants to be moving forward. So I think that's how I look at it. $15 million would be uh, definitely the max for me. And really looking at it too, that's Jonas Valanciunas is making fifteen million. I think that that's kind of a, a, a similar comparison as you know a player. Dan, where would you have him at? Yeah, you guys hit the nail on the head on that too. Um, it's got to be fourteen to fifteen, uh, as Mark said. Maybe there's somebody that go. I think Turner's at the four year like seventy two million. I think that was what he had, Miles Turner, but. Um, you just look at Drummond as as Mark hit on. He needs to his his style of play doesn't seem to be conducive to winning at least on a large scale or like contender level. And at least with Miles Turner, um, and honestly Valanciunas a little bit. At least they, I mean, Miles Turner is as is somewhat of a floor spacer, you could say. And the other issue with Drummond, I, I really don't understand why. I mean, a little bit, I think it was 17, 18. Um, he was kind of in more of a playmaker role for them, um, for Detroit. But um, it just wasn't able to seem to build on that. I think it might have been a pre-Blake Drummond, Blake Drummond, or sorry, Blake Griffin trade. But the dude just tries to do too much with the ball a lot. And he's such a good screener. He's such a big body. Um, that, I mean, so there are certain times he can just take over games and you, you don't see that nearly enough, um, defensively inside. I, honestly, I think the instincts are there with him. He just doesn't seem to really buy in, um, on defense nearly enough, um, because he is talented inside. I think there's more potential there, but, um, maybe with the situations he's been in, he ha- it hasn't been total buy in there, but, yeah, at, at this point, for the, as long as the guy's been in the league, um, we know what he is. He's a tremendous rebounder. That's fair, but um, he uh, is is not a guy that can switch out at all whatsoever. Really, 
Uh, and honestly, his he's got a seven six wingspan, but we just don't see it nearly enough um, contribute to defensive success. So, uh, yeah, sixteen million is is seems steep for him even. But there are teams like the Hornets. You never know. I mean, they gave Biombo money, so um, yeah. For me, that's that's definitely the max. Yeah, I. We just have to hope that the Cavs don't give them an $18 million a year extension or 20. Um, that would be disastrous. That would just be a disaster. That would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll move on to Dante Exum, who is currently making $9.6 million. Dante's kind of a complicated one for me because I, I, I like Dante as a player. I am high on him. I'm high on what he can be. Not like a super starter level player, but I, I think he can be a really high quality backup. But the health is such a concern with him. You know, can he play an entire season? Can he play half a season? That's really something that you worry about from year to year with him. I had him in the four to six million dollar a year range. I think that's kind of, you know, a fair amount for your backup point guard, maybe a little bit less than average. Mark, where are you at with Dante Exum? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I really liked what he was starting to show in Cleveland once the Jordan Clarkson trade happened. Um, I mean, he's I think he's gonna be twenty five next year if he's not already twenty five. I I agree. I mean, I think it's difficult because you saw all the flashes in Utah. You're seeing the flashes again in Cleveland, but you're just waiting for him to get injured again. And I, well, that sounds disingenuous and kind of harsh. It's just the, the fact of the matter. He hasn't played a full season his entire time in the career in in the league. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I think there is still starter potential in him. I think he's still got a, a really high level of athleticism. He's still a high level defender. He's got the length. Um, he has the, the physicality and he actually shot well this year, um, for him at least. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it was a fine move by Cleveland to, to get off of Jordan Clarkson to, to bring in a younger guy who maybe would thrive in a different role. But I think he's, he's looking more as like kind of a three moving forward than, than playing in the backcourt. I don't think he's ever really developed the, the ball skills to quite be, uh, a, a one or a two. That's interesting, real quick. You don't even think he has the ball skills to be a two guard in the NBA? Well, I mean, he can play two guard, but I mean, like, uh, I think, look at it like this. If, if Dante Exum is running, uh, is, is the second guy running your offense or he's the primary initiator, how comfortable are you with that? Do you really want him running that much off of your bench? Um, right, well, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that, but I wouldn't say yeah. I'm uncomfortable. I just feel like, I don't oh, yeah. know. Okay, if he I mean, can like, I, I just mean in terms of being like a starter. Like, you know, if okay, he's yeah, if he, as, as a starting starter, level yeah, two sure. guard, I, I, sure. I just don't see that. Like, as a no, I'm with you there, uh, Dan. What would you put at the as the value for Dante Exum? Um, to me, at this point, the guy is made of glass. I'm sorry, that's harsh, but he's made of glass, and. Honestly, he's a minimum player to me. Um, it, Mark really is is on it there again. Um, he's not a shot maker at all of any variety um, off the dribble. And frankly, I mean, this year I think he I think he shot like thirty five percent from three, which for him is honestly an anomaly. That's that's not going to happen again. And he shot I think it was thirty seven percent on catch and shoot threes with the Cavs, which is fine. I mean, it's not bad, I guess, for him. But it's not like 
Darius Garland this year shooting 36% from three, but you saw flashes off the dribble. There's a lot deeper range. Um, yeah, Dante Exum is honestly, his playmaking is very limited as well. doesn't have much vision, um, makes simple passes that honestly Colin Sexton can make. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. I'd way rather have running my offense and the guy's going to turn the ball over. Yeah. But Dante Exum has, he'll, he's a decent driver of the, of the basketball. Um, good in transition, nice defender, very, the reputation is honestly way more than he actually produces defensively though. Um, the guy does, I mean, he, he's a solid defender, but not, uh, am I going to pay him more than minimum given the injury history? Um, lack of shot making, very limited vision, make simple passes. Uh, no, I, I, to me, it's a minimum guy going forward in his career. And I, I like Don Tagsum as a dude. He seems like a good guy. Um, seems like a very good locker room guy to have, seems to work hard, but he's always rehabbing. And I, it's, it's unfortunate for him because there was potential there in Utah. Um, really guarded James Harden really well in the playoffs that one time, but um, it, offensively, there's he's just so limited. And to me, honestly, I don't think he'll even have as more of an impact as, as Matthew Delvadova in his career. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Also, shout out to – do you guys remember in 2K15, he was like the the, the guy that you like hang out with in yes. uh, in my career. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, right. that's a, that was like that's the most random one ever. I never expect, <laughs> yeah. like I always go back and think about that. He honestly seems like a really good dude, too. Every every time I see him interview, he seems like the greatest guy. But, like, I'd love to golf with him and have beers with him. But I I just, outside of that, I'm good. Back when people really thought that Dante Exum was still going to be a great player. Well, I mean, it's tough, man. You've seen it with him, though. Like, I I see what Mark's saying with it. Yeah, like, I think, especially if you're a guy who, he came in, I think he got drafted when he was 18 or 19. And yeah. he played – he actually he actually played a full season his first year and started half the year. Um, but then he got injured like within the first two or three weeks of the next season. Same thing the season after. I mean, that just stunts your growth as a player so much when you can't right. actually get those in-game reps. So um, that's – I think that's just – it happens a lot to prospects, a lot more than I'd like it to definitely. But um, just is what it is. So, Mark, are you uh, minimum two as well? Uh, yeah, I'd probably go minimum, uh, maybe slightly above, but not much. Um, unless like I was like guaranteed by a doctor that he wouldn't break a bone for like six months. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I'm still going to say I'll, I'll go 4 million as my cap. I still, I, I just believe in Dante. I don't know why. I just, I like what he brings. I think, I, I, I think that we might see the shooting kind of stay where it is, where it has been. And that's, you know, average on low volume but that's not the worst thing in the world so we'll just have to see as far as you know can he stay healthy and if he has a healthy uh, if he plays the full season next year which you know who even knows what next season is going to look like I think he might get something above a minimum from a team so again we'll just have to see we'll move on to another one this one's going to be really difficult for me at least Darius Garland who is set to make 6.7 million dollars this season um dan we'll start with you on this one if you were to if, if darius garland was an unrestricted free agent right now you're a team with cap space how much would you offer darius garland um honestly i don't know why i looked at this 
kind of comparison. I actually kind of had him and Jetty Osmond in the same realm um, for this. Uh, like Langston Galloway a few years ago got three years for $21 million or in change, or maybe it was that. I think for Garland and Osmond both, I, I for differing reasons, I have them both in that realm um, right now just because I, I think Garland, I mean, we haven't seen it. He had a, he had a rough rookie year. Um, there's humongous defensive concerns with him. That's that's fair to say. Uh, but given the reports that he's kind of really turned heads, I mean, I guess it's in a market bubble team workouts. You kind of take it with a grain of salt. But the guy has – I mean, there's – we've seen the high-level shot making. Um, he, he has big-time range. Uh, I, it, it really hurt him at Vanderbilt for his development to not be able to play out that year, or at least a good chunk of it, just because – his floater package is, is really good. Um, he, I think this year we'll really see him be able to get like generate space off the bounce. But again, defense concerns uh, kind of throws passes that I, I like what he's doing, but they're just not there. That sort of thing. Like you, you see the feel, but he just tries to throw Hollywood passes sometimes that aren't there. Um, and he's, he's got room to grow. Um, in that way. So I think seven mil a year right now would be fair just because I think he has huge potential, but um, defensively he's, he's never going to be remotely competent. That's just fair to say. And um, that's just where I have him right now. So kind of in the realm where he's, he was due to be paid, but um, yeah, three for 21 for me seems, seems about right right now. I was going to go kind of three for 30 was the number that I had, 10 million a year. That might be a little bit, I mean, for what he's giving you right now, again, that's really high, but it's just, it's the potential thing. And that's, I mean, that's why we have rookie scale contracts because you got to see what you can get out of guys. But, oh, yeah, I, I like get I said, coming from. This, this was not an easy one for me. I would say at around $10 million. And I think. You know, he's it's just paying for potential, basically. And I think you, there's a very good chance that he exceeds that value. But, Mark, where did you have Darius Garland? Yeah, I uh, I, I agreed with Dan. I would probably keep him on, like, a, his rookie scale deal is where I would go. I am, you know, we'll get to this a little bit more later, but I am much more a Sexton guy than a, than a Garland guy. Um, I, I mean, Garland had a horrific rookie year. He turned it on a little bit late, but I just – his burst really was not there. Um, shot 42% at the rim, which is just that it's, it's gross, man. And he doesn't have a good free throw rate. Um, I, I like his shooting. I think he's got potential as a passer, but like right now, um, I would not exactly bet high on him. Uh, so I think, uh, I would probably just stick with his rookie deal. That's fair. We'll move on to Kevin Love, which is another interesting one set to make $31.3 million. I think we can all agree that Kevin Love is not a max player. He's not a close to max player. It's just deal, I guess, is. Um, still obviously very good, though. He'll be he, He's in his lower 30s now. I, he's starting to kind of slow down a little bit as a player. I had, for Kevin Love, and again, I, I might be a little bit high with this, 18 to $20 million, maybe, you know, 20 being on a one-year deal, maybe 17, 18 on a two-year contract. You know, maybe you just go down a little bit less than that for a three-year, whatever you want to do with it. Dan, where'd you have Kevin Love at? 
Um, I, I think right now, um, Kevin gets a lot of uh, kind of bad rap in Cleveland. Um, I, I guess last year didn't really help kind of what transpired throughout the year, but I, I'm not going to put that entirely all on him. But I, I think the Sabonis deal, I think it was four for 77 when that was that rookie scale, scale deal, whatever that was. Um, I, I think that's about where I put him. So kind of in, in your realm as well in, in that, um, I just think Kevin, um, even though he's he's really not much of a low post threat anymore, just because of the back issues he's had, um, you don't want to have him with a high usage in there. I, I think we'll see that see that more and more scaled back um, going forward. But still a really good mid post score, um, high level passing big, which which always helps. Uh, still an elite defensive rebounder when healthy. Um, he gets it done in that way. Uh, it, we, we've seen the outlet passes uh, for years, um, but he can kind of fit in seamlessly in a lot of ways, um, it really in any kind of offense. So um, I think four for 77 is fair um, just because he's one of the best shooting bigs in the league. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with that. I think – if you could have that on kind of a declining salary, I think that that wouldn't be the worst deal. I just, I don't know, giving four years to Kevin Love as another team, I know the Cavs kind of did it with this previous deal, but giving four years to Kevin, I might be a little bit hesitant with just because you don't know how he's going to hold up. He's kind of another injury concern, and that's going to take him into his mid-30s. So I think if it were me, I might try to keep the deal a little bit shorter, but I, I definitely agree with you in that kind of price range. Mark, oh, where yeah, are you at with be- Kevin Love? Or what were you saying there? Oh, I was just going to say this This is kind of, as you were hitting on, like scaled back. But, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But I, I'm just saying for like a pitch standpoint, I think that'd be something he'd, he'd strongly consider. But, yeah, yeah I get for sure. Coming from for sure. That. Yeah. yeah um, so I would, I would, uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to look at because I, uh, obviously, I mean, I grew up in Cleveland, so I watched Kevin Love. Um, all throughout that run and, and in Minnesota too before then um, just where he's at now and the way the game has changed he you really can't play him at the I mean at least you can't start him at the five I wouldn't really want to close with him at the five either depending on who you're playing because uh, he offers no room protection um, I think he is a slightly better defender than he gets credit for but at the same time um, I, I don't know I'm really inter- interested to see how his career plays out from here because I know I mean he can stretch the floor um, like exactly like Dan was saying, can play make, can do some nice stuff in the mid post. But I just think, um, I, I don't know. I honestly see him maybe in a year or two, which this is going to sound harsh, but I see him maybe turning into more of a six man, like a really um, a higher usage six man who, who plays leverage minutes. But I think it's just really hard with how things are going in the league to, to start him at the four or to even play him too many meaningful minutes at the five. Um but we'll see what happens with him. Um, I'm. It's it's just so weird to look at, at what he has been previously and and where his career is headed. Um, I've been skipping the question. I think I would pay him like sixteen or seventeen mil a year, um, or maybe like a four for seventy four for seventy two, but have it front loaded. Um, but I don't know. It just kind of depends. Maybe so. Like, look at the the Buddy Heald deal. I think is what I do. Buddy Heald's a descending contract. I think he's getting paid like twenty one or twenty two this year. It's again, it goes down by three or four every year. So I think that's something I would look to do. I think I, I kind of agree with you. There. I think that that's kind of that's a good comparison as far as the money goes. 
Um, it's not really something I thought a whole lot about, and I think it depends on what situation he's going to be in for Kevin. You know, talking about the possibility of him being kind of one of those high usage six men. I do think that Kevin can still play the center, obviously not against everybody. And, you know, with the age and the injury concerns, you don't want him banging around a ton because we, he has been injury prone. But I still think if he's in Cleveland, he's probably going to be a starter just because, I mean, he's oh, yeah, for sure. been here a while. If he continues to be here, you know, I think he's just kind of the leader of this team. So I feel like he would still start moving forward. But if he goes to a contender, if he's traded somewhere, again, it depends on the situation entirely, but we could see Kevin Love coming off the bench by the time he's 33 or 34. And again, yeah, not just as a, as a bench rotation player, but as you know, a, a high-level six-man type. Yeah, if, if J.B. Bickerstaff asked him to play on the bench, I, I think he'd just go to Cabo at that point. So. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a definitely fair take. Um, in a, a better or a different situation, yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you there. Um, maybe two years down the road, but yeah, for the Cavs right now, I just think from a team standpoint, how they're the culture they're trying to build. Yeah, he's he's definitely the guy this year. Oh yeah, for sure. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavaliers Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Knuck a Few Buck, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat Podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. All right, we got a couple quick ones to hit on. Just, again, go in alphabetical order. Alfonso McKinney, anybody seen him making more than a minimum? No. I actually don't know if he'll even be in the league, because uh, his shot just, like, Delvadova just disappeared. Um, he was a good shooter in Golden State, which, again, I mean, you have to factor in that there are guys with much more gravity that he's playing off of. But, I mean, he looked like a good shooter in Golden State, too, which is what was which was what was crazy um, with how it dropped off this year. I was really excited for Cleveland to, to pick him up after Golden State, just let him go. Um, and it, it really did not work out for him this year. So I would be kind of surprised if he, he if he sticks in the league past this deal unless he does something super meaningful this year. Um, I actually don't even know if he's on a deal this this year. Is he, he on? Is. He is. He's, okay. he's got it's a few years. years. He got a, okay. Yeah. So that's it's all non guaranteed. Like but yeah, it's non guaranteed from here going forward. Yeah. So I I actually would be. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I've said that a million times already, but it's a lot of speculation. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it, were you guys like kind of expecting more from him this year? Dan, you can start on that. Um, I, I'm actually a fan of McKinney's. Um, not, I mean, not for. I mean, he's not going to be like an every night player, but for uh, I think his career average is like 12 minutes. I think they're like in that. He's a nice player to have, like kind of just throwing spurts here and there. Um, it, like he'll he'll somehow just get steals and like breakaway layups and dunks. Um, and he's a really good cutter. And honestly, for his position, like he can. Throw you can throw him on some fours. He played a lot of four last year, um, but yeah, hit, that shot is it just completely went by the wayside. And at least you, at least like him to be 
somewhat nearly average from the corner and last year that was just not the case so um but yeah I, he's he's a minimum guy and I, I hope he makes a team just because he's a guy that I mean on defense he is productive um fairly versatile I mean he can guard threes and fours pretty well um and just kind of is a nice guy to have to in certain situations um kind of like an end uh, quarter type guy to or to throw on a primary playmaker if you need it. But yeah, he's offensively, it's, he's kind of a guy that honestly just gets baskets from putbacks and cuts, that sort of thing. I I like the guy, but um, considering he's not a shooter, you'd like to see him be able to kind of progress as a passer, honestly. But I mean, he's pretty much a straight line drive and go type of guy. That's it. Yeah. I'm kind of with you there, Dan. I think, he, he plays a position of need. He fills a role on this team as far as just being a defensive-minded forward. Um, you know, I, I don't think – I agree with you again. I don't think he's an every-night player. I don't think he's going to be asked to be an every-night player. But with the, the super-friendly team deal that he got, you know, team-friendly deal that he got, I, I expect him to stick. I think, you know, he's just kind of – he's kind of part of the culture with this team now as far as, you know, just trying to, to build some continuity and momentum. And I think – he, he's kind of a veteran himself at this point. You know, he's had to fight and, you know, to stick in the league. And I think that kind of, that mindset kind of matters a little bit as far as, you know, the attitude that they're kind of trying to put into these young guys a little bit. He's definitely, you know, when we first saw him in Golden State and when he first got his run there and kind of emerged as a player, it really seemed like, hey, this guy could really, really be something. And I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, People may have hoped he could have been when we first saw him there, but I fully expect him to make the team next season. You know, obviously moving after that, he'll still have, I think, two years left on his deal. We'll see what happens with those. Obviously not worth more than a minimum contract, I don't think, but I think he definitely deserves to be in the league with the Cavs next season. So we'll move on. I, I miss <laughs> David Nawaba for the record. Oh, I, I my God. I, can't, I, I was I, not I, thrilled he got let go. I, I kind of thought that this might – like this may be a little bit of a stretch, but I kind of thought McKinney could have brought some of that type, uh, like on ball defense. Cause like, I, I guess I, I bought into him a little bit too much too, but that, that is the guy. I just, I, it pains me still to this day. I, I know he was hurt, but that dude he was damn us, good in Brooklyn this year before he got hurt. Like for us right now, that is the exact kind of guy you need like for this team. And it's just like, Sorry, but you can go ahead, Justin. That still irks <laughs> me to this day. Yeah, it it was really sad to see Nawaba get hurt in Brooklyn. That that tore me up a little bit inside when I saw that. But um, yeah, he's getting definitely. he's getting an opportunity in Houston, so I'm happy for him. You know, I'm, I'm upset He'll that we let him go. I was there next year, so he, he probably will. He probably <laughs> will. You know, assuming that he holds up. But yeah, that was when the Cavs got him. I think he was from Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah he Cleveland. used to kill us too. Yeah, yeah. That guy's <laughs> yeah, a dog. I was, I, I, was I was ecstatic when we signed him. I was sad to see him go. But um, we'll move on to an even deeper cut than Alfonso McKinney. Would either of you offer Matt Mooney a fully guaranteed NBA contract? <laughs> um, no. Uh, I don't even know if I'd offer him a two-way. Not to sound mean, but I. <laughs> My my recollection, when I was going down the roster, I was like, who are we talking about next? And I saw Matt Mooney. Um, I knew that he played for the Cavs. Uh, but at the same time, 
uh, my closest recollection of him is from the national championship game when Texas Tech lost. Um, and I remember watching him and saying, oh, that guy is not really an NBA player. Um, so I, not again, that sounds incredibly harsh, but uh, I, no, man, I, I don't think anyone would be willing to offer him a guaranteed deal. Yeah, I think he's, again, another guy. I expect him to be, you know, one of the Cavs two, two-way guys next season. I If he's not on a two-way with the Cavs, I think someone else could pick him up on a two-way. Dan, any any thoughts to add there about Matt? Uh, oh, man. Um, Matt Moody. Uh, yeah, no. That's that's about all I got. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, I don't want to be harsh, but... Um, the fact that they gave him, I think it was like, I don't know how the structure works exactly, but it was a multi-year two-way deal, I believe. I, I yeah, just I think don't so. understand um, why in the hell they, what they were thinking on that one. It, yeah. Rooney's a, like a heady player in the G League, um, can run a little bit, can run some pick and roll in the G League. At least the passing sense is there, but, oh, man, you, you can't have him playing real NBA minutes. I'm sorry, you just can't. No, yeah, he's so. he's not he's not that yet. Like, well, yeah, I it's think, like he's not really. I, I, I think don't the think thing that he's out not it yet though. He's not even that young. I want to say he's twenty four. Yeah, so like, it, it, this is it. Like, that, it's never going to so be the case. Give, he give he needs to go year. overseas. Give him next year. Well, yeah, he'll be twenty four by next overseas. year. I think like it's not to sound deal. rude, but it's like he's just not an NBA athlete. He doesn't have the. Yeah. I don't think he has no, the athleticism to play high level defense. Um, and maybe a shot would fall, but he hasn't shown anything else. And again, he's he's going to be he's going to be twenty four next year before the season even starts. So he doesn't I don't know. have the size. Confusing either, deal. So yeah, it, it's it's just athleticism. It's not that he's not capable mentally. It's not. I mean, there's there's a little bit of off movement shooting from him, but. If he gets – when he did get some spot minutes this year, he just seemed like he was just not – like he was just very timid to shoot when there were shots. And in the G League, he would be making those said shots. And for him, I, I just – he's not going to be able to get minutes on NBA floor where they're meaningful. That's just how it is. I don't see it happening either. We'll move on to Larry Nance Jr., who is set to make $11.7 million this year. He's obviously on one of those – declining contracts as well. I would say, you know, when the Cavaliers first gave him that extension, I thought that the number that he got was a little bit high for him. I think he's come out and completely proved me wrong. Um, I think he's actually probably on a year-to-year basis. I think he's probably worth a little bit more than, you know, that 11 and well, we'll just use 11.7. I could see him getting a, 12 to we'll say 12 million dollar a year deal uh mark where are you at with larry nance yeah so it's funny i kind of agree you know i look at too like right when the the Cavs did that trade that brought in jordan clarkson and larry nance um i remember being excited that they got larry nance because he was one of the guys who was like really nice in in los angeles on those terrible terrible post kobe teams um and i think if, you know, at first looking at the deal, I'm like, ooh, I don't like that. But then he really developed his shot this year. I mean, he shot 34% to start the season. Then he, he was inactive for a little bit, comes back and shoots 37% down the stretch on decent volume. He can do some stuff as a passer. I really like him as a defender. Um, I think he's, especially with the way that the game has evolved, I really like him as, you know, maybe a small ball five, 
in minutes and just playing the four. I'm comfortable with him doing that too. He's a good role man. He's super athletic. I love watching this dude dunk. I've loved watching him dunk since he was at Wyoming. Um, I actually like the deal that they gave him, to be completely honest. And I think if that shot continues to fall, then I'm much more comfortable with that deal. So I think right now I'd see him as like a three for 30 or three. No, I mean, not three for 30, like a three, three for like 36 guy, which is kind of around where he's at. Dan, where are you at with Larry? Yeah, I, Mark really hit it on the head there again. Um, I, I think three for 30 is 35-ish. Probably three for 35 is about where I'd go. Um, he's really – I mean, he's developed – he's more as a scorer um, since that extension. You can tell he's a worker. He's a grinder. Um, whenever it seems like he gets minutes, uh, like in those – that first kind of – I guess in like a hockey or lacrosse term, like that first shift – um, he, he, you can just tell he, he brings some energy, um, really good passer. It's nice that since he's been in Cleveland, they've really allowed him to show that, um, because at Wyoming, he really did. Uh, it, you'd still like to, the one thing with him, I, I'd like to see him kind of develop more of a mid post game. Um, I think that's kind of a next step for him. I'd like to see him do that. Uh, I, I think we'll see it this year with Bickerstaff. Um, and I think, it would really do him some good to be able to kind of develop his his handle just a little bit more. Um, it, he really came on with that this year too. Um, I but I just think for him he needs to develop the pull up game a little bit. Um, that could really help him as a shooter because the way he's developed his his catch and shoot shot has been really encouraging. That's been great to see. Um, but it's and he's really like the one guy in the Cavs that has like real true versatility. He can probably play the three, four, and five, at least for stretches. But um, the reason why I wouldn't say over, like definitively over like 33 is he does tend to get it hurt. Um, I I think the highest number of games, I mean, I'm not going to count this year, was 67 active for him. Um, He tends to miss stretches, and that's the problem. And and I understand um, that's that's probably a little bit harsh, but that's that kind of hangs me up a little bit. Yeah. I actually, so I have a question for you guys. What do you think about him as a not, it's not going to happen now because, I mean, Drummond's there, of course. Um, but with Tristan potentially moving on, which we'll get to, um, I'm guessing, but, and not to steal your thunder, I'm just interested to know what you guys think of him. Uh, do you think he has starter potential moving forward? Because I really like, I don't know. I think every time I watch him, like you were mentioning, he just does little things that are positive. Like I remember the last finals uh, that LeBron was there in 20, uh, was it 17 or 18? I can't remember. Um, 18. But yeah, he was like the the only guy outside of LeBron who I you felt was making a real positive impact on the floor um, for stretches. I, I just remember them getting totally killed in the paint. And Larry Nance played the five for, for a couple of games and, and was solid. And I, I felt that for him for a long way. Like I think that he could really be a starter eventually if he keeps working on things. But um, I'm excited for him moving forward. I love watching guys like him develop. I'm I'm definitely a Larry Nance fan. I think I think he has starter potential. I think on the right team he could be a starter right now. I think with obviously with Kevin Love, he's not gonna start over Kevin, he's not gonna start over Andre. I think you you'd rather have the the traditional center and a Tristan or an Andre over Nance, but if both those guys were gone, I wouldn't be too upset with starting Larry Nance at the five. Again, I think he's more of a natural four. I don't think you'd start him at the three. But in the right situation, say Kevin Love gets traded, I have zero problem starting Larry Nance at the four. 
Dan, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Are uh, it, it's it's hard with me for Nance. Um, I, I just think he's. I guess to kind of go back on my last point, he is versatile, but he's he's a tweener. He's only six seven. That's kind of the issue, and he's not necessarily a like he's not really like a true post presence with volume. So that's kind of the issue with the five. And he he is a really heady defender, and honestly is good in switchouts. Get really is a really good off ball defender as well. Just a really heady player in that way, um, and, and he gets. He gets a lot of steals, plays passing lanes well, but it's just when you see him against real fives with like the more traditional guys, he just gets bullied, and it's not, it's not yeah, really his totally. Fault. But he I mean, six seven two thirty, and you just don't want him at that. It, it, I, it's hard for me to put him at the four right now, full time, just because he's not like. You want to have a guy with a mid post, like he's got a little bit more to go. Just like I'd like to see him kind of develop that handle a little bit further. Um, I, I I wouldn't start him right now, but I mean, is it, he's like a, a good spot starter, maybe like eight to ten games a year. He's a really good guy to have for like when Kevin Love sits back to backs. But I, I I wouldn't say I don't starter for me is it's hard to say with him at all. Definitely. Well, hey, but at least next year we can see some more uh, Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Tristan Thompson closing lineup. So that will be exciting. Oh god, if we can bring back. This <laughs> hey, they were they yeah. were plus twenty in seventy nine possessions, which so small sample size leader right there. But I'll take it. Yeah, and we'll see it again this year, whether it's with with Tristan or Andre. We will see. And that hey, that again, e- that so. jumps up to a it's a shit with uh with Andre. It's a plus forty seven in fifty seven possessions. So I mean. Going yeah. places with uh, with him at the three. I remember Zach Lowe actually wrote about it in a column. On, it was one of his last Friday things. One of his last Friday yeah. columns he wrote about that that line. Ten things. But, yeah, yeah, that was good. I, I just remember we were it, that was that was good to see. But I mean, we were playing the Spurs, who were. I mean, they were like Drew Eubanks was pretty much the real action <laughs> yes. in that one. So I mean, you you read into it with a grain of salt, but yeah, that that was it was fun. I but. I don't know. Andre Drummond, I, I just feel like he's – I don't know how long this love, like, Drummond thing is going to be that much of a love connection just because the dude is just going to demand the basketball. I just feel like there's – it could get ugly. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. But for now, we'll move on. Jetty Osmond set to make 8.75 this year. Uh, another contract that goes down in value as the years go on. I think his last year has a non-guarantee or a partial guarantee. But um, I'm kind of – it didn't seem like a bad contract at the time. I think I'd go a little bit lower than that now. I think more in that six range, like five, six a year range would be an appropriate – a more appropriate value for Jetty now as a player. Um, Mark, where are you at with Jetty Osmond? Um, I'm honestly kind of fine with where he's at. Uh, I, I like him as a player. I really thought, um, he would maybe develop a little bit faster or just differently after LeBron left, uh, which maybe partially that was my own fault for thinking that. But I mean, he's turning into a nice player. Like he's a, he's a starting level player. He shoots well. He defends his position well. He can defend a couple other positions adequately. Um, and he's not going to get you killed on the glass. He shows playmaking chops occasionally. I mean, I think for in terms of having like guys moving forward on the deal that he's on, I, I really like him at his money um, and what he could do for the 
for the Cavs moving forward. Because, I mean, he's still only 25. You'd think he's a little bit older considering how long he's been around. But uh, I, I, I like Chetty, and I like where he's at. And I think the fact that his current contract is, again, going down in value makes it definitely more appropriate. And I'm not saying that what he's on right now is a bad contract. I just feel like if he were to become a free agent right now, I don't know if he would have gotten quite as much money as he did at the time. Dan, where are you at with Jetty? Oh, Jetty. Um, I guess uh, I suggested three for 21 before. I, I like where you're at with six a year. I, I think, I guess, I guess like three for 18 in a vacuum is kind of where I'd be at. Um, yeah, Jetty defensively is kind of a disaster. Um, he's he's got. I I look around. It's it's hard to find a worse caliber starting three in the league right now. Um, that's just putting it bluntly. Um, it, I like Jetty as a, as a shooter, but you, you still you don't see a whole lot of off movement shooting with Jetty, which is kind of kind of annoying, honestly, watching games because he kind of just disappears at times. And I guess the uh, the 2018-19 season, you kind of read into it a little bit. Just because Kevin Love wasn't active for much of that. So, I mean, the 13, I think it was points a game, and it was probably a little higher than he's he's ever going to have. Um, just because there's not much of a handle with Jetty. He's, he's not going to really create much space outside of hard closeouts, kind of like a straight line drive. He's got a, he's got a nice little almost like kind of jump hook in a way. It's kind of a nice little, I guess, scoop, you could say, but... Um, yeah, the, the de- development with him has is, is been slower than I would have thought as well. Um, he's a, a good cutter, um, has that in his game, but defensively, he's just his lateral quickness is just horrible. Um, just does not – both parts of the screen game on and off ball, just absolutely abysmal. I'm sorry. Um, one of the worst defensive wings in the league, and – Given that, I, I he's a nice shooter, and that he's worked hard to develop that catch and shoot style. Um, that's good, and hopefully this year we'll see him develop a little bit more um, in the pull up game, which he, I think he's capable of. Um, which because of last year that should help him, but yeah, I think three for eighteen is where I'd go. Uh, I think he's going forward should be a nice like eighth eighth man or so. I think that's fine for him, but. Um, if if Dylan Windler were, were active this year, he he would have been pressed for minutes a lot more so. I'm kind of in agreement with you there. I, I don't I don't view Jetty as a long term starter in Cleveland or elsewhere. I, I do think that he's again, six million And he I, was a thirtieth overall pick, so you take what you can exactly, get out of that. Like, he's, he's fine. Well, he's a fine player. When I said he was a starting level wing, I didn't say what starting level. I mean yeah, somebody has to be okay, the worst well, one yes, in the league. He was, so, yeah. he was, he was good I, enough I get, to start. I get where you're coming from, though. I, yeah, I, yeah. He was good enough to start for the wing thirsty Cavaliers this season, which is something. So, and this this year, I mean, I got I give him. I mean, I say it with a, I guess, a little bit of a caveat. I mean, John Beeline was pretty much having him like, like stand in the corner, pretty yeah. much like he had to raise his hand to see the ball to him. So, I I got to give him some, I guess, kind of walk back in that a little bit, but it's. Uh, it, Jetty sometimes is just hard. He's just hard to watch at time, here and there. All right, well, we'll move on. We got five players left here. So we'll go with Kevin Porter Jr., set to make $2 million this season. Obviously, he's going to be making a lot more than that if he's a free agent right now. Another one of those guys in the same kind of, of Darius Garland, Colin Sexton camp where 
he makes more if he's not on this rookie deal. I I think that the start potential is real for Kevin Porter. And again, you, you pay hoping that he gets there. I had him at like $15 million a year on like a three or four year deal. Dan, we'll start with you on this one. Where would you, how much would you pay Kevin Porter right now? Uh, Kevin Porter. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm really high on Porter. I, I really love what he showed as a playmaker last year. Frankly, I think that was really a nice bright spot for him. I I, I looked, I, I think the Marcus Smart deal, previous deal was four years, 52 million. I think that's about where I'd be at with him right now, just right now. Um, because we, I mean, the first half of this, I mean, his rookie year, he was very, I mean, it was spotty to be fair, but I just think he's, so that kind of caveat says it there. Um, he's got a ways to go as a shooter. That's the only thing um, off the dribble. Like his, his ability to generate space is uncanny um, for such a young player. Um, what I love about him is he changes speed so well. Um, he's got such an explosive, uh, explosive uh, first step and was a good, pretty good, Spot a player last year. Honestly, that was, I think he was like 41% on catch and shoot threes, which was really encouraging. Um, and if he would have played more at USC, I mean, that was, there was a lot of stuff going on there that really could have helped him. But I, I think four for 52 right now is what I'd give him just because you need to see it more. And defensively, I mean, the athleticism is, is there, but the, the feel we need to see in game. Mark, how much is your team paying for Kevin Porter? Um, I don't know if I'd quite go 15 just because, I mean, he's a young player still. So I, I, you're, you're banking on a lot paying him 15. Um, but I mean, I, I agree to a, to a sense. I'd probably do like 12, 12 for three years. I mean, like 12 each year, not, not, not 4 million yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's obviously got loads of potential. Um, I, I liked what I saw from him this year, especially just as an incredible athlete. Um, and he really like the pull up that he was starting to show uh, was was really promising. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes as a player. I really hope that he doesn't have to start to th- play the three that much moving forward. Because I just don't really think he has the size to defend a lot of wings that size, um, which is part of the reason that I didn't love the Garland pick, um, which I know. I mean, obviously, you got you just draft talent, but I think that's going to be an interesting to see how they uh, try and work around that moving forward. Um but yeah, I, I agree. I think I would probably have um, Kevin somewhere in the twelve to fifteen range. Yeah, I think fifteen million. It might. It's obviously a little bit much for the player that he is right now. But I, I do feel like there would be a team out there willing to bank on his potential. And I think fifteen is a number that isn't just going to kill your franchise. And I don't think that he's going to kill your franchise either. I think he'll develop, even if he doesn't reach that star potential. I think he'll be a fine player, even if that contract ends up being an overpay. I don't think he's going to be, you know, somebody that you just that just sits on your book and you don't play him at all. So moving on, we have Tristan Thompson now, who me and Dan again have talked a little bit about. I feel like with Tristan, I, whoever wherever he goes, I see him first of all getting a one-year deal. Let's just say he signs for the Cavs. I think the Cavs give him a one-year deal. And I could see that deal being 10 to 13 million from the Cavs. And then you see where you're at next offseason and maybe extend him multi-years accordingly. 
On a multi-year deal, I would give him maybe seven to eight million dollars. Where are you at with that one, Mark? Um, I think where I'm at with him is yeah, around seven to eight for the MLE is where I think he'll get um, this year. I don't really think any teams are going to be willing to pay him much more than that. Um, he had a really nice bounce back year though after being largely disappointing um, the the year after LeBron left. So I. Um, I, but yeah, I, I actually, I, I would love to ask this as well. How, how shocked were you that they did not trade Tristan? Because I, I remember, I mean, I thought he was somebody who the Clippers might have gone after, or, you know, I mean, there were loads of teams that, that could have used, uh, Tristan Thompson in playoff runs this year, uh, obviously on a, an expiring contract. So I was kind of surprised that he did not get dealt, uh, especially considering that they could have probably recruited some decent value for him. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say MLE for him for sure. I thought that he might go to the Clippers. I thought maybe he'd go to the Celtics. I, it, it was surprising. I wouldn't say I was shocked. But by the time the deadline came around, I was fully expecting him to be gone. So it was kind of weird when it didn't happen. Uh, Dan, where are you at with Tristan right now? Yeah, it's pretty much the MLE. I, I, I'd say like two years, um, maybe like 17 million-ish, 18 million around there. Um, yeah, I, I was shocked too that he was here still. Um, but it, it is what it is. I mean, he, it, at times that those things happen, but it, it just, it, it seemed like at the time that it could have really unraveled, um, from like a team dynamic standpoint, but, um, to his credit, he seems still locked in, um, did a really good job off the bench, um, in, in that stretch of time. So, uh, yeah, I, I really thought that Boston was going to go after him really hard, though. I mean, I thought they were definitely the team that were gonna, was going to get him ultimately um, just because of that was it's such a need for them. And they really were. In, it it could have been worked out well with him and Tice. That could have been a nice um, kind of somewhat contrast there. Um, but uh, like, honestly, I've, when he did defend Bam this year, he did actually a pretty solid job. Um, but with him, you, you, yeah, it's, it's an MLE max, absolute max, just because he's not nearly the, I mean, he's not all that switchable anymore. Really good, it, I guess, team feel, but with him, you kind of, it's more of an all encompassing thing. Um, is, is like a, a leadership element. Um, good dude. Um, productive as hell on the glass on both ends, but yeah, it's, I'd say in that two to, two-year, like, 18 mil range if it's a multi-year thing. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. All right, well, we'll move on to Colin Sexton. This is an interesting one for me. Uh, he's set to make about $5 million this season. Uh, with Colin, I, you know, obviously the 20 points per game is something Reports that, you know, he's really bulked up this offseason. I think we could see a big jump from Colin. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you on this one. How close to a max contract do you <laughs> think 
Colin Sexton could see if he were to get a contract from another team right now. Or from uh, the Cavs, whoever. I f- I can't say for certain, but I think it was Fedor said that he one of his sources said that Colin would get kind of like in that buddy healed money, like the I think it was four for ninety four. Um, I can't remember the terms exactly, but I, honestly, I'd give him that. Um, he's worth it um, just because of the – I understand that he's got a ways to go in terms of all around as far as NBA guards go. I get that he's 6'1", um, but his work ethic is is just undeniable. You see it, uh, and I, I don't say that is like a slight to him. It's, it's the real deal. Um, you can't fake what he does in that way. And he's, he's like a leader in that regard. You can tell. Um, and I get that it's, it's the Cavs situation this past year, 21 game. You, you read it with a great assault. That's fine. But he's, I, I really think defensively, I think he got a bad rap this year. He's, he's a better defender than the, than the defensive rating said. Um, and honestly, he was defending twos a lot last year, which is, is hard for a guy at that size, but he really, improved as the year progressed, honestly, came to game. But you just can't teach the three-level scoring ability he has. And I just think that four for 94 is, is what I would go with as a benchmark. And honestly, the just how much he's improved as a shooter um, via catch and shoots. Honestly, I think his range is going to, with this extended offseason, we're going to see him pulling up from a lot deeper this year, honestly. And if he just improves to be a like a halfway competent passer, I think that'll like do wonders for him as a scorer too. So I'd say four for ninety four, and I I don't think that's overpaying for a guy his caliber at twenty one. Again, with upside too, very yeah. very young, like you said. I, I had it right at about I I put my number at twenty five, so a little tad bit higher than that, but again. With that upside, again, a lot of reports saying that we could really see a big leap. I feel like that's a fair number for him. Mark, where are you at with Colin Sexton? I uh, it's actually really funny because I, I'm friends with a lot of guys who are who do draft work. Um, so we have like a running group chat. It's probably you know thirty guys, and uh, some of them run their own own websites, work for draft firms. Um, and they are not as high on Colin Sexton as I am, but just watching him and knowing his personality, like, like Dan was saying, I mean, this dude has like an out, this is not, you know, trying to harp on it, but he has outlier work ethic. Like he is nuts in the way that he attacks basketball. And I love that. Um, I think the guys like him who come in with the mentality that he has, there are so few of them. So I, I do think that he's going to reach whatever the ceiling is for him. He's going to reach it because he's going to work to it. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, obviously there are always going to be the concerns about his passing. I think that has to develop still. I think there were flashes this year. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I totally agree on the defense as well. He was asked to guard twos because he's, he, Darius Garland cannot do it. Um, so, you know, having somebody who's six foot one guard twos is just like, uh, I look at Indiana, uh, who, who I cover. I mean, TJ McConnell is a nice positional defender. He has good feel on the defensive end. But when you're six foot one, you just don't have the length and wingspan to really bother somebody's shot. So I think that really counter against Colin. When he can fully guard ones, 
I think he'll be fine. You know, I, I don't see him having a lot of problems guarding one straight up. Um, I think obviously he has to bulk up a little bit more, which he, he has done this summer. Um, so I think when he's defending once, I'd be cool with that. Uh, I do just have a lot of questions about the defensive pairing of him and, and Darius Garland. Because um, if he has to defend twos, I'm less comfortable with that. And it's uh, asking him to do a lot. Um, I really like the idea of him, like, not saying he has to be traded to the Pacers, although I would not mind it. Um, moving forward, I I think like the ideal fit for him is next to somebody like Malcolm Brogdon, who can initiate already on their own. Is kind of the point guard in Indiana, although it's better to have. I don't think he should be a true one A. Um, but I think if he can be a little bit like he can run his on ball stuff, he can do some stuff in isolation. But you can kind of rely more on somebody else as the true you know initiator of the offense. I think that's where I see Sexton as. But I think he's unequivocally a starting level player. I think so many people keep trying to cap him and say that he's going to end up as a sixth man because he's not a great passer. Um, I mean, just like Dan was saying, the, the 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 scoring level and feel that he's already gotten to is ridiculous for his age. Um, you look at the last 32 games. So in the new year, in 32 games, he almost shot 50, 45, 87 and put up 24 points per game. And obviously box scores are on everything, but you just look at what he was doing, how efficiently he was doing it. I mean, he can score from literally everywhere. Um, and especially, I mean, the pull-up shooting, he was starting to take control of this year. Um, Pull-up from mid-range, which... I mean, that's a shot that you have to be able to hit in the playoffs, as we've seen. I am comfortable saying that I think Colin Sexton uh, is going to be a long-term starter in the league and potentially an all-star, uh, depending on how the rest of his game, uh, you know, values out. So I think right now I'd say around like 90 mil for like a four-year deal is where I'd go for him. So just a quick question to – sorry to buy in, Justin. So no, would, you, would you, Mark, like him with like – a Halley pairing with him. Is that like kind of an ideal yeah, situation? I, see, I like that. I think I look at like, cause Indiana's kind of been like that a little bit. You have guys like Darren Collison, who is not, I mean, he's a point guard and he, he runs a lot of the half court sets, but he's not normally the guy bringing the ball up. Um, and you're not really relying on him to create offense. He's more of just trying to work in the flow of the offense. So I think someone like, uh, Tyrese Halliburton would be great with him. You know, I like the idea of having somebody else running pick and rolls or running actions and getting Colin open. Cause I think that, I mean, we haven't gotten to see a ton of Colin off ball. That's something I'm really excited about. Cause I think he's got the crazy quickness and athleticism to just be a, a monster coming off ball. Um, I, I kind of see him like almost like not to just make direct comparisons, but kind of like, uh, he's like a better shooting version of Donovan Mitchell almost. Uh, and, and Donovan's a great shooter. He obviously played well in the bubble. But, I mean, the way that Colin has been shooting from three is like astronomical compared to what Donovan's done. Um, so I see him kind of getting it. If if he can get a more true point uh, – not even point guard, but just truer initiator next to him and he can operate off ball more um, and kind of use his gravity in that way instead of just trying to have to command the ball, I think that could really open up things for his game. And I was, I'll say, I was one of the people, especially earlier this summer, that kind of still felt, because I I also doubt the long-term pairing of Garland and Sexton, but I kind of was one of those people that felt maybe his long-term role was still going to be kind of in that microwave bench score, just because I didn't know if he was going to be able to hold up on defense. I Obviously, the playmaking is still a question moving forward, and I think that he is, again, in a less-than-ideal pairing, but... His ability to bulk up, I think, is going to help. Well, it, what he's done so far, as far as bulking up, I think is really going to help him fight through screens, which is going to be really, really important for him. I think his ability, again, to work off ball a little bit more, 
Donovan Mitchell is a comparison that we saw when, you know, these first reports started coming out from this minicamp. Like, I think there are some things that Donovan Mitchell unquestionably does better um, on the defensive end, even though Donovan's not a great defender, and just kind of overall complete offensive game. But if we can see Colin hold his own on defense, which, again, is hard because, you know, you play him against twos, and I think he's going to have to continue to guard twos unless we get a bigger point guard. But I, I definitely view at this point Colin as a long-term starter either in Cleveland or somewhere else we got two more players here we'll move on to Dean Wade um I had I had Dean Wade at about 25 million as well um I don't know about you guys (laughs) uh send him the max give him the max all right um okay I, I like Dean Wade I've not I've been vocal on the podcast saying I like Dean Wade. I'm sorry about the mean joke, Dean Wade. But um, non-guaranteed minimum is where he's at right now, and I don't think any other team would argue that. Any disagreements here before we move on? No, no disagreement for me. I mean, I think he's he's fine. He's a prospect. Um, I don't like. I don't love him or hate him. I don't really know enough about him to love him or hate him, to be completely honest. Only played in twelve games this year, so I'm not really, uh, I'm not, you know. We'll see where he goes, but uh, there's already so many other guys in the front court. I don't really see him getting much time. I, I don't see him getting much time, to, at least to start the season. Again, somebody we've talked about in the past on the podcast. I think as the year goes on, especially if the Cavaliers aren't in contention, we could see him play more, and we'll we'll really see what he's capable of then with getting some consistent minutes, maybe you know, in that. 10 to 14 minute a game range, you know, down that last stretch of the season. But don't really think there's any argument there. Dean Wade, non-guaranteed minimum. Maybe some teams don't even offer him that. Maybe they go two-way. We'll move on. Our final player on the list, Dylan Windler, set to make $2.1 million. I had Dylan at about 5 to $7 million. I think, again, just being the complete unknown is kind of challenging, but I feel like six million is a fine gamble for somebody who looks, who obviously can shoot the crap out of the ball, and you'll have to see how the rest of his game rounds out. But again, a youngish player who can shoot, I feel like that's a fine gamble as far as him in that five to seven million range. Mark, where are you at with Dylan? Um, Rookie skill contract for me right now, just because, you know, I, I really liked what I saw from him at Belmont. Uh, I was hopeful that he would uh, get playing time his rookie year. Obviously, he was out the entire year, but I'm high on him moving forward. Um, however, I do have questions about um, how he's going to be defensively and just what he'll look like athletically. Because um, I thought, I mean, we only got the stretch of like four games uh, when he was at Belmont. It was not even four games, the stretch of like two or three games that he uh he played in the OAC tournament or is it is Belmont OAC I can't remember but it's yeah, you get it's what OAC. I'm saying they they didn't play a bunch of high level competition when he was at Belmont he looked nice in the high level competition he played against but I'm just waiting to see what it what it looks like in the NBA level obviously he's got got size and he can shoot and he can maybe do a little bit with the ball in his hand so I'm ex- I think he's got potential but I I wouldn't really bank too much on uh on him so far Dan where are you up there 
Well, just uh, go on on the Dean Wayne thing. I, I, I'm I'd throw in some Swenson's coins for him as well in there. <laughs> oh my god, I would love some Swenson's right now. That sounds so good. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm with you on on this, Justin. I'm I'm really honestly, I'm probably way higher on Dylan Windler than I should be. Um, I probably I get some shit for it, but it is what it is. Um, I just think on ball, there's a lot more to his game than a lot of people realize. I think he's going to be deadly on step backs. Um, that dude has parking lot range. He gets his shot off really, really quick. Um, really does well off movement. I understand he was in the OAC. I get he was in a pretty ideal in terms of movement system. There was a lot of space to be had um, at Belmont. It was it was a really good for his development, clearly, but um, I'd say that five to seven range, as you said, is is fair. Um, I think he's actually a pretty solid secondary playmaker. Um, I think he can do a lot of this. Like Jetty, that's my favorite part of his game, I, and we didn't see it enough last year, is the passing. Um, I, I think Wimler can do some of that as well. Um, and honestly, I think he, athletically he's actually kind of underrated. Um, really efficient finisher um, with both hands is is sneaky good as a cutter, um, and honestly, it, he's actually a pretty vertical athlete as well. And I, I think we're going to see that this year. There'd be putbacks. Um, he got a lot of those at Belmont. Tracks the ball as a rebounder really well. I mean, I understand he was hunting rebounds a little bit defensively. It seemed, but um, the, there are defensive question marks clearly. So. Um, we'll have to see medically how, how he is, but I, I think six ish year or a year seems fair. Um, just has such a high upside as a shooter. And, and we've seen how, I, I don't want to make this sound like hyperbole, but we've seen what happened with what transpired with Duncan Robinson in Miami. Obviously that's a, a different development kind of program there, but um, the Cavs really developed shooters well. It seems like they, they've made Colin Sexton into a very good shooter um, in a pretty short amount of time comparatively. And I just think with what Dylan can do off the ball, um, honestly, I think he's way more gifted on ball. I mean, Duncan Robinson is nothing in that regard. So I, I'm, I think that's pretty fair right now. I'd say I, I think seven is fair just because he's he's got elite shooter potential. Yeah, True, even that's if, a good point. If I forgot he was, he used to yam on guys at Belmont. I remember he did it in the uh, the one tournament game they played. I think I just have I have questions about his lateral quickness and and how that'll translate. Fair. But that's fair. Well, um, I I do agree. We could get some nice highlight dunks out of him, but because um, I, I think I mean I don't know maybe I would raise up a little bit. I think maybe oh, I was high on him as well. But one of my other friends who's who's a, more of a Cavs observer. Try to talk me down, but I don't know. I, I, I just like you get guys who have size. They don't have to be as athletic, um, and they can shoot like the way he does. So I don't know. I'm excited for him moving forward, and hopefully um, he gets more of a chance. And they just jettison Darius Garland into the, into the wind and let Dylan Windler play the three, and Kevin Porter can play the two like he should. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. I really just feel like even I, – I, I'm not saying that no other part of his game will pan out because I truly believe that it will. But I think even if – Nothing else in his game pans out. The shooting will be there, and that on its own is just it, – it's valuable enough to where – again, five to seven million is what I had. You could make an argument to even go a tiny bit higher than that with, you know, 
the possibility of other parts of this game panning out, but I just, I don't think shooting is never not worth it on a contract unless you're severely overpaying the guy. And with that small of a risk, you know, at that under 10 million range, I definitely think Dylan Windler would be worth it. So that's all we have for the, uh, the, the market values for the players. Uh, we went over an hour on that. Before we get out of here, uh, Mark, quick question, and we don't have to go too super in-depth in this. I just want to know, who's your favorite guy, in the, particularly for the Cavs in this draft? Oh, gosh. Where are the Cavs picking at again? Number, Number five. five. Number five. Let me pull up a draft board really quick. I am not like super in tune with the draft. Everything I've been, you know, researching going through is second because the Pacers have the 54th pick. So I've <laughs> largely been trying to not watch the guys who are really good so that I don't like sob myself to sleep thinking about how they won't be get dra- won't get drafted by the Pacers. Um, if Denny Avija is there, I like him. I know he's probably not going to drop that far. I do like Tyrese Halliburton a lot. Like you mentioned, I think he's a guy who hasn't really shown like one true elite skill, but he's got a lot of well, a lot of stuff in his toolbox. Um, and Iowa State guys always end up being good, which that's yeah, obviously a cliche thing to say. But uh, you just think about all the guys who have come out of Iowa State in the last four or five years. None of them really turned into stars, um, but they all come in pretty NBA ready and have, have developed well. Um and I, I just like what he he brings as a wing who can initiate and he can he can shoot he can defend. Uh, maybe he's not going to end up being an all star, but if he's a kind of a glue guy who's able to bring some of the other guys who are star level players on this team together, I like that for for Cleveland. I do like some of those other guys from Iowa State. Monte Morris being the one that sticks out the most. Uh, Matt Thomas being another. George yeah, Yang got some run yeah. in Utah this year. I'm not a big George Yang guy. Uh, I'm not either, but he played, so. He, he came on this year more, but Matt Thomas, yeah, that's really worked out well. Um, I mean, that's a pretty ideal system for him. It's like, but yeah, you're right. They Offensive system-wise, they, they seem to get guys going. Also, uh, I got to ask you guys this. Uh, I had yeah, so, sure, saw sure. somebody say something about Obi Toppin going to uh, to Cleveland, oh. and I just like I hated that immediately. I just wanted to see what you guys thought right away. Listen basically to any oh. other podcast that me and Dan have done here, and you'll hear at some point the two of us complain about Obi Toppin and why the Cavs shouldn't draft him and why the Cavs might draft him, but that would be a terrible idea. Yeah. Also, okay, lastly, though, if uh, if Killian Hayes is available at five, take him too. But I've heard a lot about the Pistons probably taking him. So I'm uh, I'm not sure where, where that ends up, but we'll see. Again, I'm just – I'm not – I don't want to guard personally. Well, I mean, he's um, – he's I mean, he's 6'5". He's got some, some – like, I don't know. You just – I think you have to get the best player. Um, I think that's what the Cavs are going to do. But I think that's what the Cavs are going to do. Um, we've also seen some reports saying that – the Cavs really don't view Killian or Tyrese as, you know, a clear step ahead of the guys they currently have on their roster. Meaning that Maybe I'm just take... not high enough on Darius Garland, but I am not high on Darius Garland at all. I feel like, especially for Kobe Altman's sake, as far as trying to keep his job, it's just too early to give up on Darius. you got to hope that he can give you more. You know, whether you're high on him or low on him, you have to give him at least this next no, season just to That's see true. what he's able to do. Honestly, I just think for him... I probably I'm probably a little higher on him just because I think this basically extended off season is is I think that'll just completely revitalize him. I think it'll be really the best thing for him. And I think just being around Sexton from like a a day to day standpoint with like how he conducts himself. I mean, maybe not so much right now because of COVID, but 
I just think he'll he'll figure it out. I just think for them, they just got to get guys that are more grind, like work ethic grinder guys. Um, they're switchable defensively. I think if they do that, it'll we'll see it come together more. Um, I just think like Okoro and Danny Avdia, like those are the kind of guys that that really could really help him in a, a number of ways. I just I just personally think that. But I, I get where you're coming from with him just due to the size issues and defense. I mean but the way I see it, how many how many true ones are real defenders in the NBA? There's just not many of them. Yeah. Um and yeah, that's I, I'm probably higher on than I should be right now, but I, I just think the Cavs will they'll find a way to tie it together over time. As long as they don't fire their coach like next week. Again, there have been a lot of positive reports coming out of this bubble about Darius too. Everybody seemingly very impressed with the pro- with the progress that he's made this off season. So before we get out of here, we'll go on a former Cavalier coaching watch. Doc Rivers has parted ways with the Clippers out as the Clippers head coach. Dan, does Ty Lue fill in? I still. Uh... Uh, I think for Ty Lue, I think he needs to get out of that situation. Um, I just think looking at the possible kind of free agency stuff looming with like Kawhi, um, what happened with Paul George. I, I, I mean, this might sound harsh about Paul George, but it just seems like he's kind of like brings toxic, toxicity um, to a team's culture. I, if I'm Ty Lue, I'm staying the hell away from him. That's just my opinion. Are you still more on the the Philly or Houston yeah, side I, I of think it Philly's than for him? Yeah, a good fit for him. I think like Simmons specifically will really benefit from Lou, um, who who was a lead guard in the league for a while. I mean, albeit more of a kind of a backup guy, but I just think he'll be able to get stuff out of that out of Ben Simmons. And I think like Philly has a a, a lot of draft capital in this upcoming draft. Um, I think if they can get a guy like maybe like an Isaiah Joe, I think that could really help kind of bring out Simmons more because he's, he's there's not really a better three-point generator in the NBA than Simmons. And I just think with them being able to fill shooters more around him, maybe find a way to get the hell off Al Horford at some point, um, I think Ty Lue will be able to get them going more so. Um, I just think they're that's a better situation for him. It gets him more of a kind of a clear head. Um, and, and you're in the East, so I, that's just, to me, what I would do if I were him. I, I think he's a better fit there. Mark, I have a Pacers coaching search-related question oh. for you. All right, I'm ready for it. How excited are you about the potential Mike Brown hire for the Indiana Pacers? Uh, man, I don't love it. I actually just talked about it on my podcast last week. I think uh, it's interesting to look at. Like, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't been a head coach in – Six years now, because uh, he got fired in thirteen. You got, yeah, he got fired again in thirteen, and then uh, David Black got hired to be head coach after it was John Lucas was interim. Um, I, I mean, uh, you think about it; he's been around Golden State for five years now as the associate head coach. Um, you, if he hasn't picked up anything by now, um, then that's problematic. Um, I think the immediate takeaway for me with him, and from what I remember of him in. Uh, in, in Cleveland 
is just like he's pretty much Nate McMillan, but a little bit younger and he didn't play in the league. So that's like I just don't think it would be any kind of upgrade for the Pacers unless he like comes out and totally wows in his his uh, his interviews and uh, shows that he's a different coach offensively now um, and less of a, you know, Sarge like guy, which that's Nate McMillan was called the Sarge because he was like he literally. So Nate McMillan actually um, said openly that he did not really want to uh, to deal with the locker room like uh which is that's obviously not great especially like i think sometimes stuff gets made up way too much about like uh you know obviously guys like kevin garnett will come out and say stuff like oh you know they, these guys are so soft now and like they could never play in our era i just think it's a different league different players different different mentalities and stuff and i don't think it's good or bad necessarily um but it's a just a different era i don't think that works as a coach you have to be involved with your players and and be like part of their family almost. Um, and I don't know if Mike Brown's going to be that guy. So I uh, I don't know. I hope the best for him though, because he he was really good in Cleveland for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not super high on him. I think me and Dan are in agreement that we don't think he's going to get another head coaching job in the NBA. What you don't think uh, Victor Oladipo wants him as his coach? <laughs> Probably the fuck not. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm going to I'm gonna have to say strong doubt on that one. Well, last thing before we get out of here, game one of the NBA Finals. We're recording this on a Wednesday night, so coming up here soon. Dan, who you got in game one? Um, I got Heat in game one and the Lakers from there. Hmm. I think I, you know, I don't know. I want to say Lakers in game one, and I actually – I'm picking the – I on my podcast yesterday, I picked Lakers in six, but I also said Lakers in five. I think it's five or six games for the Lakers, and that's not to discount the Heat, although I am getting really annoyed with the Heat culture bullshit. Everybody works out. They just talk about it. Um, So I'm kind of over it. Um, And also, I think – like we make up this stuff like, oh, their roster building has been so great. They've done nice stuff with player development, but can we not forget that they had one of the worst free agency periods oh, yeah. in like the last 10 years? Like when they signed Dion Waiters, Kelly Olenek, um, and everyone they did. They, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. I mean, like why did they accept that offer sheet? Like, oh, my God. So like cool. They, they signed Jimmy Butler and they're a good team again. But if they didn't sign Jimmy Butler, they were going to be like a 45 win team again. So I, I just like, I struggle to say that I'm like super on board with this heat team. They're fun to watch and all that. But, um, I actually have really enjoyed this Lakers team. And it's funny because, um, not to just drone on and on, but like the Clippers did that thing at the beginning of the year, like the, um, street lights, not city lights and all that. BS trying to make it look like they were like not some high class snobby team ended up being the high class snobby team and the Lakers were just the total opposite. Um, they it's Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and a bunch of role players who play really hard. Um, I I enjoy watching them play and I, I really am excited for LeBron because I I mean growing up in Cleveland watching him going to going to when it used to be Gund Arena and watching him play there. I mean I, I have no ill will against LeBron um, and. I, uh, I I don't know. I expect it to be a quick series. I think he's just going to turn it on and be ready to go because it's – I mean, it's go time for him now. We saw what he did in the last game of the Eastern Con- Western Conference Finals, I should say. Um, so, I, I expect him to play like that for a quick series. I expect it to be a very, very, very competitive five-game series for the Lakers. 
I think, you know, the, the Heat will be in it every game. I think the Lakers will win tonight. I think the Heat will take one, but Lakers in five. Yeah. With that, we'll get out of here. Again, this one's gone on a little bit longer than our previous episodes. Um, thank everybody out there so much for listening. Thank you, Mark, for have, for coming on. It was really fun to talk with you. Uh, thank you, Dan, as always, for coming on. Always a pleasure. Um, if you enjoyed listening, subscribe, leave a review, do whatever else you want, or don't do it. Thank you for listening either way, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.